In the summer of 2018, when Eric Levine's students might have been reading dystopian novels about a worldwide pandemic, he was working alongside real-life epidemiologists at the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta. As a CDC Science Ambassador Fellow, Eric learned how to track the spread of diseases, met with members of the Epidemic Intelligence Service, and built a cohort of peers from across the country around the topic of public health. Today, Eric finds himself the sole person in his district charged with empowering teachers and students with learning around public health and public health crises, such as the coronavirus. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we visit with Eric Levine, a 20-year science teacher and now instructional leadership specialist in Holyoke, Massachusetts, where he coaches teachers, creates curriculum, and develops professional development at Holyoke High School. Eric earned his undergraduate degrees in biology and music from Colby College, a master's in environmental education from Lesley University, and a second graduate degree in curriculum and instruction from Keene State College. His background also includes experience with Outward Bound and EL education, and his accomplishments include Hampton County Science Teacher of the Year and a Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education STEM Ambassador. We are most proud, however, to call Eric a Fund for Teachers Fellow. Eric, welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. Eric, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you teach? An instructional leadership specialist. So basically, I, yeah, I do coaching, teacher coaching, curriculum work. That's primarily my job, yeah. Although I am teaching one science class this year because we had an overflow situation. So they threw me back in. <laughs> you try to get out and they pull you back in. Uh, it's fine. Really, it's fine. Uh... <laughs> we'll see what happens next year. This is my second year at the school where I am, and it's called Holyoke High School, city of Holyoke, Massachusetts. It's a a 9 through 12 comprehensive high school. We've been in state receivership for the last five years, which Mm -hmm. basically is like a turnaround plan. So the technical, the the vocational program is still vocational, and we've been working on that program to increase attendance, and that's an ongoing program, ongoing process with that school. And then we've implemented an academy structure where students starting in their 10th grade will belong to an academic academy and there's three of them one science and engineering based or life sciences and engineering the second is uh, performing in media arts and the third one is a global studies social criminal justice focus and then in addition to that our students have an opportunity to do early college programs through one in-town community college and one state university down the road so we're trying to create lots of options for kids Mm-hmm. to get through high school in a in a more meaningful way. Before the coronavirus was even a figment of anyone's imagination, you designed this fellowship to go to the Center for Disease Control. How did you determine that working at the CDC was the right fellowship for you? So before I switched schools, I was a high school biology teacher in Springfield, Massachusetts at an EL school. I was there for five years. EL, we do learning expeditions as the core of our academic program. And I had developed in my second year there, I started teaching a learning expedition in my biology class that was focused on antibiotic resistance, which is a whole other public health crisis. Because it was timely and relevant, and there was a lot of active 
inquiry and lab-based data collection that we could do with students, but it also was a real-life problem. There was lots of math connected to it, and there was like a social justice piece as well. And so anyway, I developed this expedition. I was pretty passionate about it, not knowing where it would go, but the design process was pretty fun. And then as I taught it, every year it just seemed to get more and more interesting for me as a teacher as I got deeper involved in the subject and the, and the public health aspect of it and found ways to make it relevant every year for the students. And there was always current ongoing health crisis in our country, or actually in the world, there's always relevant and timely data connected to it. So it wasn't something that was closed case. There's always new data coming out on it. So I felt that was pretty cool because kids could always keep up, oh, last year's group did this and they studied this data, but this year we have new data on this, so we're going to do this piece. So there's that piece. And then just as I ended up going through teaching that expedition, I just became fascinated with the subject myself just as in a human being and as someone who loves science and someone who, I, you know, in college, I was really in graduate school, I was much more interested in environmental education and environmental sciences. And so cell biology and microbiology and this whole aspect of bacteria and immunology, that was not at all interesting to me. I took classes in it because I had to. And this was really the first time in my life after 20 years of teaching, I was like, well, this is kind of interesting stuff. And all of a sudden, my focus, my like pet project became, oh, antibiotic resistance. That's such a scary and interesting thing. And so I brought my own passion to that. I ended up going, so how I got connected with the CDC is I ended up going to the National Science Teacher Association conference. This was in LA. I went with a colleague and we were going on as like as a collegial thing, do what most people do is to collect information to attend, attend some workshops and to bring back lots of good practices to our science department. But I happened to uh, go to a session at the conference that was uh, led by the people who design and facilitate this Science Ambassadors Program for the CDC. When I read the description in the conference brochure, the conference program, I got excited because I knew having done this expedition, I knew that that was a main source of my data. And I became sort of fascinated with the idea of public health and epidemiology. So on a personal level, I was interested in it. And I thought, wow, I wonder what this ambassador program is all about. And if I have a shot at going to the CDC, that would be amazing. And it would bring a totally different level of the game to my expedition if I had an experience at the CDC. So I attended the, the workshop at the conference and was like completely sold on the idea of applying to this ambassadorship at the CDC. And, and I talked to the, the person, the people leading the workshop at the end. I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, what do you think my chances are? I say, wow, it's kind of interesting. You know, you should definitely apply. We encourage you. We have no idea if you're going to get in, but do it. And then I applied and got in. Um, and then because it's an unpaid fellowship and I had to pay for travel and accommodations, my in the back of my head, I was already thinking of Fund for Teachers as a way to fund it. So, yep. Eric is a two-time Fund for Teachers fellow. So in addition to being an expert on teaching public health, He's also a proven pro at writing a Fund for Teachers grant proposal. Here are his four tips. One, build on background knowledge. Having already created curriculum on antibiotic resistance, he was not starting from scratch, but deepening his content knowledge. Number two, go with your passion. Eric repeatedly referred to his fascination with public health. That kind of passion shows through and is compelling to those reading your proposal. Number three, Consider a cross-curricular topic. 
Eric pursued both the science and social justice aspects of public health, making his learning valuable in multiple capacities. And finally, number four, think long term. Eric chose a timely topic that would continue to have new data, empowering students to leverage the learning of peers to enhance the project year after year. I was looking at your post-fellowship reporting, and again, it just seems like you went yesterday <laughs> to see you in photographs of these biohazmat suits, and, um, uh-huh. but, but one of the things is that you learned how to do was create spot maps to track an epidemic, yeah. and, and here we are doing that. Are your, how does that translate to your students? What are they learning now in light of what you learned? Yes. No one in my school is, is teaching the topic of public health or epidemiology directly, but at my school, because of the, the turnaround plan at my school, one of the courses that I helped to propose was in public health and epidemiology. And that came directly from my experience at the CDC. My, you know, part of my experience at the CDC was learning how that stuff happens, tracking diseases and what's the role of the CDC. And part of my role, part of my job at the uh, time at the CDC was focused on, okay, like, what does this look like in K-12 education? And I came away with a really clear directive, at least in my mind, that students in middle and high school should get, when they study life sciences, getting some exposure to the world of public health and epidemiology, because in some ways I feel like it's like the silent health science. I think what happens is that students who are interested in health or say they want to be a doctor immediately think clinical health, and they might not even know the difference between clinical and public health or even know that there is a world of clinical versus public health. So I walked away from the CDC experience thinking, all right, kids really need to know that there's choices in their world for careers in college. They don't have to be a doctor. They don't have to be a nurse. My experience school was kids who were interested in science or specifically life science or medicine would tell me as, my, as their teacher all the time, yeah, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a nurse. And I would ask them why. And they would say, because my aunt is a nurse, because my mom is a nurse, because um, because I know that it's a good career. There wasn't a whole lot of exposure for these guys, or at least for my students, in the world of, of public health and epidemiology. And so right after I went to the CDC, I switched jobs. Unfortunately, I couldn't bring that lesson back to Renaissance, but I started right away at Holyoke, where I am now, with that let through that lens of, okay, how are we going to get public health into the students' world when they take sciences. And so right now, we've been planning on starting a public health and epidemiology class that's just focused on public health and epidemiology. And I'm right now in the process of writing that curriculum, and it's going to go live this fall. So fall of 2020 will be the first group of students to take public health and epidemiology um, at our school. When you were at the CDC, you worked with the Epidemic Intelligence Service. Uh-huh. And do, are you in contact with these officers at all still or, or with the fellows with whom you work, your peers in the program? Yeah. So we, we have like a Facebook group that includes all of the science ambassadors throughout the last three years of this program. 
and people post there occasionally on Facebook and ask questions and help for resources. So definitely I'll check it out. And I did, uh, when I knew that I was going to be developing this class for them in the process of writing, I did reach out to a whole bunch of folks in that group and say, hey, I'm developing this course. I've never done this before, and I'm fairly new still to the idea of epidemiology, but I definitely want my students to have an option to take the class. So what do you guys have that I can read or borrow or, or and people were super kind and sent me their syllabi and sent me resources. And so that's what I'm using as I go and develop this course is, is the work that other fellows have done with their students. My cohort was, I think all of the 30 students and student three teachers in my cohort were all from all over the country. So, I mean, I there were people I worked with from Washington and California and Arizona and New York State and New York City down south in, in Georgia because Atlanta is where the CDC is. Yeah, we were from all over the country. So it allowed me to do something that I was passionate about and interested in that I knew was going to be good for my students and that they'd be interested in doing um, and making learning real. Teachers don't typically have access to funding in this way. And so um, it's a way to explore your passion and make it part of your students' lives. Eric used his grant to participate in the Center for Disease Control's Science Ambassador Fellowship Program in Atlanta. The CDC Science Ambassador Fellowship is a dynamic educational program offered by the CDC for STEM teachers and educational leaders interested in bringing public health sciences into middle and high school classrooms. This competitive fellowship includes a five-day interactive summer course at CDC headquarters in Atlanta and a one-year distance-based professional development opportunity. Fellows learn from and interact with CDC scientists, participate in panel discussions by CDC public health scientists on current public health topics, attend seminars with epidemic intelligence service officers, and develop challenging and innovative STEM public health lesson plans. The deadline for the CDC Science Ambassador Program is historically the second weekend in November. For more resources and information, visit cdc.gov slash careerpaths slash science ambassador. We are learning from Eric Levine, a 20-year science teacher and instructional specialist at Holyoke High School in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Eric designed a Fund for Teachers Fellowship to participate in the Center for Disease Control's Science Ambassador Fellowship Program in Atlanta. There, he deepened his expertise in public health and in developing curricular experiences that prepare students for their chosen career path. Today, he's sharing with us his thoughts on public health education and resources to support learning around the coronavirus and COVID-19. In your reporting, you said that you now have access to an entire realm of professionals on the front line of public health that you did not before. These are the very mm -hmm. scientists and professionals that I hope will inspire our students to one day replace them in the field of public health. Is that your hope from this curriculum and wanting students to have exposure to public health as a career profession? Yeah. So there's two layers here. One is I think, you know, the mission of public health is that we have healthy and safe communities of people who have their needs met. Right? So there's like the social justice aspect of it that I'm really passionate about and I feel really strongly about. And then the other piece, so just on the sheer exposure of, hey, like even if a student takes this class as an elective or a friend of theirs is taking it, they somehow 
know a little bit more about there's other people in your community who are who are there for you to help support you and your families and to be safe. And it's not just about disease outbreaks. It's about do we have safe bike lanes? Do we have clean air and clean water? Like all these different realms of public health. So that's one. And then the other is, yes, absolutely, I would love, like ultimately, I would love students to leave my school saying, I'm going to try out public health as a college major or a community college major because I think it sounds interesting to me and it's not anything I had ever heard of, but it sounds more up my alley than being a nurse mm-hmm. in a hospital. Because I, I, like I said at the beginning of our conversation, I just don't think people know, especially students. I just don't think there's enough exposure. And I know that that's one of the missions of the Science Ambassador Program at the CDC is like just sheer exposure to students about this world of public health. You know, there's plenty of people who are going to say, I want to be a nurse and a doctor. And, and while there may be shortages, and there's definitely a nursing shortage in our country, there's more people who are on that trajectory because they know so much more about it or they're exposed to it more. And we have the same needs in the realm of public health as our country, and there's not enough people going into it. If we have teachers who are wanting to educate their students like you did with this lesson that you put together on coronavirus, where would you direct educators to be able to pull some resources that they could share about public health in general or or epidemiology in specific? Yep. So general resources for public health and epidemiology, I would go to the CDC's website and you search for science ambassador and that will actually take you to the Science Ambassador Program's homepage. Going down, you'll see there's a link that says Educational Activities. You click on that, you'll get access to all of the published lesson plans that the teachers in this program create. But I I would start with the CDC because for our country, that's really the place where they have not just the lesson plans, where they have the data that backs it up and they have the resources to help people teach. And I just, having gone through that program, I think that they're really well-designed lessons that are active and use real data. And then the other place, just in general, or for coronavirus specifically, besides the CDC is, and I just got an email today, the National Science Teachers Association is posting lesson plans on coronavirus, but they're also just a good spot to get lesson plan resources on epidemiology. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from our 8,500 Fund for Teachers fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org slash blog, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you to FFT fellow Eric Levine for visiting with us about his fellowship with the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta. You can access the lesson plan he created on COVID-19, as well as links to additional resources he referenced, at our website, theramsdenproject.org. That's T-H-E-R-A-M-S-D-E-N project.org. Look under the Get Involved tab, then March Conversation. Be sure to watch for the announcement of our 2020 class of Fund for Teachers Fellows on April the 2nd. That will be on our website and social media platforms. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fund for Teachers, the podcast. Until next time, keep learning.